With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Shoots and scores! There's 50 from the right circle! Harris, he'll throw. He's got a man wide open. Touchdown, Eskimos! Kenny Stafford to the end zone. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite team. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. I got to tell you something. You guys are all all-stars for listening to the show night after night. It is much appreciated as we get you ready for the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Currently in my highly scientific with binding results that will be forever referenced and considered canon. Major League Baseball, the best All-Star Game, according to the vote on my Twitter account. You can time it, chime in at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Major League Baseball first, NHL just ahead of NBA, 24% to 23%, and the NFL Pro Bowl, as I expected, a lowly 1%. Actually, I'm surprised it got one vote. I'm, I, I, I'm going to make a confession here. And I, you know what? I, I realize some nights I must sound like a real curmudgeon. Not a big fan of the Super Dogs, though I didn't get to see the Extreme Fusion Dogs. Did you go to that game, Kellen? No, I was back at, here. I was back here. They yeah. had the Extreme Fusion Dogs for the Lions Eskimos game. I didn't go to that. Apparently, they they were pretty good. I, I'm just one of those people. Just show me the games that are meaningful, and I will watch and and I will be interested just because they're they are meaningful games. I don't need halftime entertainment. I don't need the Boston Pizza Shuffle. I don't need the WestJet blindfold the person and torture them in the end zone or whatever it's called. Actually, that might be more interesting. <laughs> I don't need the kiss cam or anything like that. Just there's the game. And when there's a break, I'll accept there's a break. I'll uh, talk to people next to me. I'll text somebody. I'll uh, just have a quiet moment. That's fine. And when it comes to All-Star games, well, let me ask you this. Kellen and the 14 listeners we have. Mm. If All-Star Games just went away, would there be a void in your life? No. If on December 31st of this year, every league said no All-Star Game, no Pro Bowl, would you be like, oh, my God, I'm not, what am I going to do? Probably most players wouldn't object. I do believe, though, since the NHL went to three-on-three, I have found that more interesting because they've stopped with any sort of pretense that, oh, it's going to be a five-on-five competitive game. No, it's three-on-three, it's offense. Even the year John Scott was in it, I I found that oddly entertaining. We've had him on the show talking about that. And you just go, and they have the four divisions, so you get the three little mini-games throughout the night, and and you just go with the All-Star game. So I, I, I think hockey is now the best probably five years ago, well, maybe at any other point in my life, up until the last three or four years, I probably would have voted for baseball. The NBA can be interesting because you, you get to see a degree of athleticism that 
you might not see when players are actually defended <laughs> in the regular season, but it just gets out of hand with, you know, the the running in for dunks and constant three-pointers and all that kind of stuff. So I, I would lean towards the National Hockey League, but really, if All-Star games just disappeared, just boop, they're gone. If they were blipped out, if, if Thanos snapped this, that's what I would have snapped out of existence, Kellen, mm. if I got the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. No All-Star games. Yep, <laughs> and I no agree. one remembered that they ever existed, and no one would ever want them to exist. So there we go. Uh, but we will keep you updated on the Major League Baseball All-Star game tonight because it's going on, and I realize that there are, I'm sure, some of you who are uh, interested. Vlad Guerrero Jr., uh, what, what did he wind up with, 91 home runs last night? That was the final total, Through yeah. the total, but he didn't win. But he didn't win. I, but I tell you what, we're going to have my interview with Greg Zahn starting in about, we'll, we'll get to it in about five or six minutes, Kellen. Greg Zahn, former Toronto Blue Jay, former Sportsnet analyst, he's in St. Albert this week for his uh, Greg Zahn Baseball Academy. So we'll talk to him about that. He has his thoughts on Vlad Guerrero Jr. And Zahn believes Vladdy Jr. should not be in the big leagues this year. He'll explain why. He will also tell you why he hates the home run derby. So that he doesn't he doesn't like that sideshow to it either. So Greg Zahn's coming up later on this half hour, and between six thirty and seven, a voice you will recognize, the one and only Mike Riley from the uh, from the BC Lions. You can text six thirty six thirty. Our phone number seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. This texter writing in, he says, "Reed, you're just not looking at it the right way. There is nothing like a good old one ninety six one ninety four NBA All Star game." Well, that's that's true. The scores get up there. It is, I guess, from the from an NBA standpoint, if I'm observing that game, it's 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 uh, it piques my curiosity just to see how high the scores will get because there's been some insanely high-scoring games because of the lack of defense and the frequency of shooting. I, I was also looking at this today. John Daly, who, to me, in my lifetime, and I realize I like golf probably more than, than a lot of people, so I, t- I like to talk about it. John Daly, one of the most interesting figures, one of the most compelling stories, I think, in, in my lifetime as a sports fan. Wins the 1991 PGA, what was he, the 7th or 8th alternate, had to drive overnight to get to the tournament in time, and he wins. And then obviously all the off-course stuff and his weight and his addictions and his marriages, you know, just this larger-than-life, incredibly talented yet kind of messed-up human being. And then he wins the 1995 British Open at St. Andrews, the birthplace of golf, the well, one of the three most famous golf courses in the world. He wins the tournament there. All that tradition, you get this bombastic, brash American winning there in an incredible tournament. That's the one where he has the lead, and Constantino Rocca makes the 80-foot putt on 18 to tie after he fluffed what should have been an easy chip onto the green. That's one of the greatest finishes ever. Then Daly beats him in the playoff. So John Daly, uh, now into his now 50s, can still play the British Open because he's got the lifetime exemption because he's a he's a past champion. He has been denied a request to use a, a cart at the British Open. He uh, he says he suffers from osteoarthritis in his right knee. He has asked to use a cart in the past, including this year's PGA Championship. He has been denied by the British Open the uh, chance to use the, the the right to use a cart. Uh, in the tournament coming up later this month, July 18th to 21st. This is a very interesting debate to me. I'm sure many of you remember the name Casey Martin. Do you remember this guy, Kellen? The young the young golfer who I think he's now the coach at the University of Oregon. And he 
used a card on the PGA Tour. There was a lawsuit and all this stuff going on. But long story short, he wanted to use a card when he played pro golf. To me, these are different cases. And, and I'm going to be a little blunt here, and I hope I don't sound insensitive. But he, Casey Martin had a birth defect that he had to overcome to create a golf swing that for a brief time in his life put him in the top two or 300 golfers in the world, which is pretty elite company. But it, he, it was very difficult for him to walk, and it was because of a birth de- defect. In John Daly's case, John, John Daly got old. I, I mean, John Daly got old. So, you know, the effects of injury and time to me is different than someone born uh, with, with a problem that actually inhibits them walking or makes it painful. John Daly, you know, has, yes, he has arthritis. I'm sure some of you do. It's not pleasant. Um, but should you be able to use a golf cart because of it in a professional tournament? I don't think so. To me, it's a different case than a bird. This was an interesting... I can remember debating this with people when the whole Casey Martin thing was going on. I, I was fine with Martin using a cart. You can chime in by texting 630-630, our phone number. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Is 780 We will take a quick timeout and then we will get to my conversation with former big league catcher Greg Zahn. <laughs> This is Greg Ellingson of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Shed. Ellingson and the Eskimos facing the BC Lions on Thursday. We have it for you on 630 Shed. Countdown to kickoff will be at 6. The game will be at 8. And we'll have Mike Riley from the BC Lions on between 6.30 and 7 tonight. We got a golf joke texted into 6.30, 6.30. I will read that one later. Uh, I quickly looked up the scores in recent NBA All-Star games. Here's the last five, Kellen, starting with this year and going backwards. All right. 178-164, In 2017, the final score was 192-182. 2016, 196-173. And uh, 2015, uh, relatively low scoring, 163-158. Ah, that's beautiful. That is uh, that is some good stuff. Greg Zahn, former big league catcher, much of his career with the Toronto Blue Jays. He's in St. Albert this week for his baseball academy. I went out there to the Legion Memorial Park this afternoon and sat down with Greg. Well, Greg, uh, good to see you. And uh, just how, how was the day? The kids looked like they were having a blast. Oh, it was incredible. Uh, great format. Uh, a great facility. Uh, can't thank the the folks here at St. Albert uh, Minor Baseball enough. They they you know were generous enough to give us the fields. Uh, the facilities are in, in great shape. Looks like they've done a tremendous job taking care of it. Uh, spoiled rotten uh, for me. Um, and uh, we we really had some great instruction. We we kept the kids moving all day. kept kept the information fresh. They were never in one place too long. Uh, really enjoyed it and uh, saw some pretty good ball players out there. Well, and I noticed 
from what I saw, and I, I appreciated this, and even as a, as a middle-aged man, I was like, oh, that's great. You're explaining why. Like, you're explaining why to the kids the certain techniques are important on the base path, and obviously with the catchers, which was your position, the why behind everything, which is obviously huge. Yeah, the why is, is probably the most important thing. Uh, there are more than, you know, many ways to skin a cat. You see a lot of different swings, a lot of different approaches. At the end of the day, it's about getting the barrel uh, to the ball efficiently, being strong at the point of contact. With regards to running bases, it's about being efficient, running the shortest amount of uh, distance uh, from base to base, getting there as quickly as possible. Um, I'm all about the why. I work backwards from the moment of perfection. Um, and I try to explain why because it makes sense to the kids when you tell them how. Um, I, at least I tell them my way and I tell them how I like to see it done. I try to explain to, to them why it's the most efficient way. And when you explain how and why in the same breath, that's when you see light bulbs come on and that's, that's what I want. So were you like that as a kid and as you became a pro, were you, I got to do it perfectly, I got to listen to everything my, my coach says? Did you have that in you when you were a young guy? Oh, most definitely. I, I mean, I spent a lot of time uh, by myself with a bag of raggy balls and, and, and a, a parking cone that I stole from a construction site uh, as a tee. Uh, everywhere in the neighborhood you saw caved-in chain-link fences, and, and I was no longer allowed on property. Um, but that's that was me. Um, as I learned over time, I learned that Proper practice is paramount. Baseball is a game of repetition. My entire goal as an instructor is to teach kids how to practice autonomously. Send them out there with the right mechanics. Send them out there with uh, the understanding as to why it makes sense, uh, why it's the right way to do it, and then turn them loose and let them practice. Um, it, it, you're, the imagination is a great thing, especially when you you're couple that with a desire to be better and a knowledge of how to be better. Those three things together are pretty powerful. Greg Zahn joining us on Inside Sports. His uh, baseball camp's going on in St. Albert this week. You know, it, it, where, how would you characterize where Canadian baseball is at right now? I mean, obviously we've had some great big leaguers. Um, certainly Canadian basketball is getting a ton, ton of attention with uh, the Raptors and, and the draft. Where do you think Canadian baseball is at right now in terms of the guys we have at the pro level and developing players? I mean, you got to have that coaching at the grassroots level. Well, I think it's on the verge of something special, to be honest with you. I think you're going to see... Uh, a lot of growth in the game, uh, both baseball and softball. Uh, you hit the nail on the head. To me, there's you know there's a lot of quality coaches in in the country, uh, even more quality players. Uh, they're just l looking for that knowledge. And you know the other thing is is that there needs to be uh, more quality indoor training facilities. You got to give a kid a chance to train 11 months a year. Uh, you know, my the Greg's on Baseball Academy. We're in the process of of putting together. Uh, a plan to bring uh, an extremely large indoor training facility to the Toronto area, uh, coupled with uh, anywhere between two and three dozen outdoor diamonds for baseball and softball. Um, my goal is to, to give kids in Canada, uh, boys and girls, the opportunity to train year-round and train uh, on beautiful, well-kept, manicured fields. Give them the same opportunities that hockey athletes have in this country. Um, baseball is is a passion. It's a growing passion in this country, and it's up to people like me, and Mike Johnson here in St. Albert. Uh, it's up to us to help grow the game, and, and we've got to go out there and create the facilities and 
allow for kids to have access to great coaching. Okay, when I got here, you guys were working on base running. So I did a quick Google, thanks to the beauty of baseballreference.com. Greg's on 23 career stolen bases. You're above 50, 50%. And you stole two bases as a 37-year-old, Greg. That's got to be a feather in your cap. Well, it is, but there's way more to running bases than... than uh than stealing bases. One of the things I'm most proud of is that I, and I can say this without too much reservation, I never made the first or third out at third base. You know, these are the things that, that can mean a lot. I ran, ran the bases efficiently. Uh, I, I took extra bases when I could. Um, I was able to read balls in the dirt and, and be an asset out there. I wasn't the fastest guy at the end of my career. I had good speed early on, but as you know, catching can take its toll on the, on the, on the legs, and, and I didn't run very well at the end of my career, but I still tried to look for opportunities to steal what I call a quarter of a run. Every single base is a quarter of a run. People don't think it's important, but I tell people, you know, the difference between out and safe could be an inch. Uh, the difference between uh, safe and out could be the difference between win or loss. The difference between win and lose could be champion or second place. So you don't think it's important? It is. Every little moment in a game of baseball means something, especially over the course of a long season. And uh, I'm out for efficiency, safety. I want to maximize these kids' uh, ability to run the bases and do it well and, and help their teams win. In Toronto, Vlad Guerrero Jr., I mean, he's pretty much been the story for the Blue Jays. They're having a tough year. Obviously, they've been overshadowed by a couple of other sports stories. Uh, I, I think most of your career you might have been a different, in a different league than Vladdy, but when you went against him or had to call a game against him when he was batting, some of the challenges he presented? Well, the one thing you did was, you, you know, you just didn't didn't throw him a strike, especially with runners in scoring position, because he'd, he'd swing at just about anything, but he could hit anything from his shoe tops to the, to the top of his head. He was a tremendous bad ball hitter, and you knew that going in. Vladdy was going to swing, and uh, uh, he was a tremendous joy to watch, a, a tremendous joy to compete against, and uh, it's fun to watch this kid come to the big leagues and, and uh, you know, and be so popular and so excited um, it's fun to watch I mean I feel bad for him it's a ton of pressure for the kid um, I know my you know my feelings on him being in the big leagues at such a young age is is are unpopular um, I wish the Jays would have left him in the minor leagues to cultivate other parts of his game um, you know and, and have him become a more complete player because as you know as soon as you come to the big leagues the clock starts ticking on service time and uh, you know there's if, if it all works out for him and he ends up you know having a nice you know 15 year career nobody's going to really care but at the end of the day it is a business and now junior's probably going to be an eligible super two after a couple more seasons and that's part of the business of baseball so it's unpopular from a fan standpoint but it is a business and uh, you know I I see a lot of a lot of pressure being heaped on a kid. I hate to see pressure, undue pressure heaped on a kid. You know, when kids are ready to come up and impact the standings, then sure, bring them up and let them play as a complete player. But right now, you know, the two the two guys that I know that came to the big leagues at such a young age, A-Rod, Ken Griffey Jr., they were complete players on both sides of the ball. I don't think Vladdy's ready to, to be mentioned in the same breath as those guys as a defender. Um, and so I just, I feel for the kid. I wish him all the luck. I'm rooting for him. I want him to do well. And uh, hopefully he'll get the the coaching and the guidance and the nurturing that he that he needs to, to, to help continue his growth as a player uh, in the big leagues. Okay, and finally, before
before we started taping here, you told me the home run derby is not necessarily a highlight of the baseball calendar for you. How come? Well, first of all, the balls that they're using are even more juice than the balls that they're playing with in the regular season games. So you're going to see balls that have no business being hit out of the yard, flying out of the yard. And I've seen it a thousand times. I've been, you know, at a big league stadium and watched batting practice happen. Uh, you know, home runs flying out. You know, off a BP pitcher don't impress me that much, um, and neither does the dunk contest. And then, and then of course, the reactions of the players watching the dunk contest and the home run derby are, are quite scripted and quite comical because they, they act like they've never seen it happen before, um, which makes me giggle. Uh, I can find better things to do with my time than watch that, for sure. Greg, enjoy St. Albert. Thanks for stopping by. Always great to have you on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Always opinionated. Doesn't like the home run derby. Thinks Vladdy Jr. should be in the minors. That is Greg Zahn. A couple more days for his baseball academy in St. Albert at the Legion Memorial Ballpark. I'll get to some of your texts to 630-630. Also in the next half hour, a young quarterback by the name of Mike Riley. of the Edmonton Eskimos and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Alright, good track. Just had Greg Zahn on the show. Have a text here to 630 Hi Reed, my son is in Greg's baseball camp this week. I would like to say he does an excellent job. The kids are always moving and doing something productive. My son has not stopped talking about it since we got home. Can hardly wait to get there tomorrow. That is a text from Bubs from the Electron Factory. Hopefully the Electron business is booming. Dale says, Reed, cooking some ribs on the deck and enjoying your show. Love the clip with Coach Greg Zahn, Reed Baseball and Softball Development in Canada. Softball has provided a world of experience for our daughter, Becky. Pretty cool for a Stony Plain kid, twice in 15 and 17 at the World Softball Championships for Team Canada's National Junior Softball Team. Now a full scholarship in the NCAA with the University of of Kansas Jayhawks softball program. That is from Dale. Oh, that's pretty cool. Becky sounds like she'd have an interesting story to perhaps be a guest on Inside Sports, Dale. Thanks for writing that in. Chris from Shining Bank Lake. Do you know where that is, Kellen? No idea. Can we check? I will Google and find out. Shining Bank. No, I want you to pull out a map and look at the coordinates. Do you know how to use a map? I do know how to use a map, yeah. It's the problem is we have a severe lack of map in this newsroom, surprisingly, no. Everything's all com- on computers, so. Do we have a physical map of anything? There's one physical map up in Bob's office, I think, of the electoral districts. That's it. Oh, yeah, that's the electoral district map. Yeah. Not a real map. No, it's just... <laughs> Electoral d- Wait, districts, where, right? Yeah, you'd have to unfold the map and look up the alphabetical index, index and see, okay, Evansburg, it's at E11, and then you'd go look on the grid. Shining Bank Lake. Chris texting it. He says, Reed, I prefer to watch the skills competitions and the home run derby. We were talking earlier about all-star games, my uh, general lack of interest in them. So Chris would sooner watch, I guess, the uh, the home run derby, the NBA dunk competition 
Now, in the NHL, well, they've had it for a while. They have the fastest skater, the hardest shot, the passing into the little mini nets, all that kind of stuff. And Shining Bank Lake is in the Edson area. It's just outside Edson. Okay, yeah, we've got a text here. Is is it around White Court? White Court's out there too, isn't it? I used to know all the small towns when I lived in one. Now I'm getting dumber. Well, I don't know if that's because I left a small town. I think that's just age. Uh, All right, Kellen, we got a golf joke. Uh Uh-oh. Who was it? John who we always love when John calls. He told us three golf jokes a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So we got a text. I don't know who this is from. Let's see if I can find a name off. I, I don't know, an anonymous texter. I, I do prefer if you sign your first and last name, or your not your last name, your first name on a text, or even a handle you want to go by. We have a texter named uh, Roadhammer. We got the pizza delivery guy. We got Sam G. You can You can make up a nickname for yourself, but anyway. I like to attach a name or a, or a personality of the text. But here's the joke. An old golfer and a young golfer get to a big dog leg left par five. The young guy wonders if he should lay up or hit it over the trees. What do you do, he says. Well, the older man says, son, in my day, I'd hit a ball clear over those trees, no problem. So the young guy thinks to himself, well, I have this titanium face driver, and this guy only had hickory shafts. So the young guy... Hits a huge drive, smack right into the trees. He looks at the older man and says, how did you do it back then? The old guy says, son, when I was your age, those trees were only five feet tall. That's pretty good. That is a good one. That's a text, 630-630. Okay, Eskimos getting ready to go. Our broadcast will start at 6 on Thursday. The game is at 8 as they take on the BC Lions for the second time this season. And, of course, the quarterback for the BC Lions used to be your guy here in Edmonton. Welcome back to the show, Mike Riley. Mike, how are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm doing good. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for making time for us. Uh, We've done this a few times, so it's always fun to talk to you. i got to dive right in here, Mike. I I watched you guys play uh, in Toronto on Saturday, and, uh, hey, you had a lot of dramatic wins in your career, a lot of them with with the Eskimos, a lot of them in 2015. I don't know if there was ever one that ended exactly that way with uh, the kick returner stepping on the end line. Can you tell me kind of your view of that end of the game and, and your thoughts when you saw it go down that way? Yeah, no, I mean, I've never been a part of something quite like that. I mean, I know that uh, I remember in Winnipeg, Whitey, uh, nailing a walk-off field goal. I remember in 13, we played at home against Hamilton, and we had a chance at a 50-yarder uh, with no time on the clock to win the game, and we missed that one and came up short uh, on the scoreboard. So I've won and lost on last-second field goals, uh, whether they're made or missed. But, um, you know, and even then, I guess, in Ottawa, against Ottawa, uh, one year, Milo hit like a 55-yarder in Commonwealth to beat us. So I've been on on all ends of the spectrum when it comes to special teams, but that one was different. Uh, you know, I knew that we would win if we got a single, but being on the on the sideline there, you don't have an angle when the ball's kicked to see. So I watched Sergio kick it. Uh, I saw it go off the ground, and I knew it had plenty of distance to get past the crossbar and, and a good amount of distance to get close to the back line. So then I looked over at the Jumbotron to see uh, the angle to see if it was going to go through, and I saw it was going to miss wide left. So then I tried to get my eyes back into the end zone, and I saw Rainey catch it. But I, I knew he was close to the back end line, but they didn't blow the whistle right away because I think he caught it in bounds. But then when he went to like gather himself, his back foot went out, 
And so it was like a delayed whistle. So it was kind of a weird run of emotions. You know, the ball goes up, it misses, so you're disappointed. But then you think it goes out the back, so you're excited. But then you see the guy catch it, so now you're not. And then they blow the whistle, and you're like, I'm just ready for this thing to be over. I don't even know what's going on anymore. I'm just pretty sure that we won the game, though. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a different experience. But um, just happy to be on the on the winning end of that one. Well, and I guess I got to contrast that or, or compare it, however you want to look at it, with the, the previous Saturday where you guys had the lead late and wound up falling to Calgary. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously you had the lead late in Toronto and it looked like, you know, maybe the same thing was going to happen, but but you pulled it out. So maybe a couple games where, you know, down to the wire. I, I don't know, is it fair to say closer than you guys hoping they would have been at the end? Uh, I mean, I don't know how you lumped the Calgary one in. They, they really pulled it out and obviously got the onside kick as well. That must have been a tough one. Yeah, I mean, those are, those are never fun scenarios to deal with. And, and I've been... You know, a part of some of those when I was wearing the green and gold too, right? I mean, I, it seemed like every time that we would lose to Calgary, it was something kind of crazy. I remember a couple of years back in the Labor Day rematch, we we had a pretty solid lead going into the end of the game, and then they ended up scoring. I think that one might have gone to overtime, and we lost in overtime. But we on third down, we had them stopped, but we had jumped offside, so they got another crack at it. We ended up losing that game, and then I think last year um, in the Labor Day rematch, we ended up winning that game, but they had a chance at a Hail Mary in the end zone um, that they ended up dropping, but if they would have caught it, we would have lost that one, so I've been a part of some crazy finishes against them as well, um, you know, and that one, that one does not feel very good because, you know, just you feel kind of helpless offensively over the course of the last three minutes of the game because, you know, we responded well, drove down, had scored a touchdown to go up uh, by two scores, you know, and then credit to them, you know, they, they had to execute pretty much perfectly in the last three minutes, and they did, but, you know, the next time you get the ball is with 25 seconds and suddenly you're down by four, um, you know, working out of your own end. So that's, it's just, that's why it's a team game. You know, you rely on all three phases of your, of your team in order to win football games. And we had chances in that one, um, that we let slip through our fingers, but you know, those are all learning experiences for sure. They're not fun to go through and you don't, you don't like experiencing it, but, um, you got to learn from it. You got to improve if you want to, you want to be successful. So, um, you know, again, those are all uh, things that we've gone through this year, but those are also all in the past. And, and of course, all eyes are on Edmonton from our perspective at this point. Mike, uh, I, I've seen, well, actually, I've seen all four of your games this year. And it, it seems to me over the last couple games, and this is just my, my observation, I know you're not going to open up the playbook for me totally, but maybe, maybe a little bit of insight. It seems to me there's been a little bit more of a concerted effort to get your running backs a few more touches over the last couple of games, you know, to get John White a, a little more involved. You know, am I am I am I seeing that? Is, is that accurate what I'm seeing, or how would you characterize sort of the use of the guys out of the backfield? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think that we've gone overly extreme in in that regard. I think that just in the last two games, we've gotten to really what we were hoping to achieve from the very beginning but just didn't do in the first two games. You know, we, we want to have a balanced offense. We do believe in our passing game. We believe that, you know, we, we have good protection up front, the ability with our guys that we have on the offensive line. We, we believe that we have the ability to protect the necessary amount of time to throw the ball down the field. And we know what, that we have great weapons on the exterior that, that can make some amazing plays. So we do feel like that's 
certainly a benefit of our offense and something that we can use to our advantage. But, um, you know, you can't rely on that the entire game. And that's kind of where we were at after the first two games. We felt like we had gone overly extreme in that regard and, and forgot about the running attack. And, and we were pretty much as unbalanced as you can get. So it, it does seem like an aggressive swing in the other direction. Uh, but really, it's just us getting back to what we wanted to try to establish from the very beginning was to be balanced, make defenses worry about both the run and the pass, give our offensive line an opportunity to be aggressive and fire off the ball in the run game, um, and utilize you know some of the zone read stuff in order to to keep the defense on their toes so they can't just pin their ears back. And certainly against Edmonton in week two, um, you know we didn't have that balance, and, and they. You know, the strength of their defense is in their front and in their linebacking core. And when you, you let them just tee off and, and pass rush pretty much the entire game, um, you know, it's going to be hard to be successful. So, uh, you know, we, we've done a much better job in the last two weeks of being balanced and getting John and, and Rutley the ball out of the backfield, whether it's in the run game or, or getting them involved in the pass game. I think that's been helpful. But, um you know, even during my time at Edmonton, I think that we always believed that if you were the more balanced you could be, the better of an offense you were going to be. Um, you know, so that's what we're trying to achieve here too. BC Lions quarterback Mike Riley joining us on Inside Sports. The Eskimos visit the Lions on Thursday. Of course, you can get the game right here on 6:30. Chet, Mike, you you've taken some hits this season. Obviously, in Edmonton, uh, there were some uh, hits that resulted in sacks there were some hits that were not deemed to be legal by the by the officials and i know you you, you felt those for sure i i, I don't want to I, I don't want to ask you anything about those specifically i want to ask you a bigger picture question if i can as a quarterback and as one of the the leaders in the league and i and i know also as someone who you know, wants to leave the league a better place than he found it and have the next generation of quarterbacks be able to be stars like you've been. Are you happy with the rule and the enforcement of the rule when it comes to the high hits on the quarterbacks and the and the roughing the passer? Is, is, it, is it to the extent, is it going to where you like to see it going? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think that we've definitely made a lot of strides, um, you know, over the last, five, six, seven years, um, you know, I think the league does a good job of trying to figure out the best way to protect the quarterback. I do think, um, I don't remember when it was last year, maybe the year before, I think that we, we maybe went too far to the extreme in the sense of um, there was there was no gray area when it came to a quarterback uh, getting hit in the head, meaning if it was just a grazing little tap on the head um, as a defender went by and it, and it was, there wasn't even any force to affect the quarterback. Um, it was still called uh, roughing the passer, or at least if you challenge it and they noticed that there was any kind of contact, they would throw the flag, you know, and I don't, I don't think that's the intention of the rule. I think the intention of the rule is to keep dangerous hits off the quarterback. Um, so I think that they, they reevaluated that and realized, okay, you know, if it's just if it's just a little tap, um, you know, they're not going to call it. Uh, but I do think that it is challenging, you know, for the, the two uh, refs in the in the back behind the play to see every angle. And, and so, you know, I do know that there was talk in the off season about a replay official in the booth um, looking out for things like that. I still think that we have a little ways to go because I know. Uh, at least in the first two games of the season, three of our challenges, um, 
or two of both of our challenges in the Edmonton game, and then the next week in Calgary, our first challenge uh, that were all successful and were deemed roughing the passer. Uh, none of those were caught by the official on the field, and none of those were caught by the replay official in the booth, and we ended up having to use a challenge for that. Um, you know, so there's obviously still a ways to go, um, but I don't think that it should ever go back to the old thing of a couple of years ago, where any little tap to the back or side of the head, uh, even if it's just a barely a glancing blow, I don't think those are penalties. I think it just needs to be something where it's player safety. You know, there was there was two times in that game where I about had my helmet ripped off of my head. Um, those are certainly illegal plays and should be flagged and eventually they were by use of our challenge but you know i think the league is is trying to do their best and and it's never going to be a perfect thing you know we, we have humans that are out there officiating we have humans that are playing the game you're never going to watch a human uh, that's playing the game of football have a perfect game it's impossible to do and, and i don't think that we can expect anything different out of our referees but I, I do think our league does a good job of trying to make the game safer not just for the quarterbacks we've gotten you know a lot of new rules over the last couple of years crack it crack back blocks and things like that trying to protect everybody on the field from hits that don't really add anything to the game but just make it dangerous for the guys out there so i think that we're doing a good job of it but there's always room for improvement all right and just uh to wrap up here you think it's going to be well maybe it wasn't difficult the first time but i'll ask it this way anyway do you think it'll be any easier playing your former team now it's the second time around on thursday does that factor in at all no, I mean it wasn't. It wasn't difficult uh, playing against my former team in week two. Meaning it, it wasn't because it was my former team that made it challenging. It made it challenging because they're a good football team. You know, right. they, they they made it hard on us uh, by by the level of physicality that they played with and all that sort of stuff. I don't expect that to change. I expect them to come in and and play very physical and aggressive. We need to match and uh, and actually beat their intensity and their physicality, uh, which is something that we're certainly capable of. But we got to go out there and prove it on the field. Um, but it, it makes no difference to me who I'm playing against. At this point, I mean, uh, we're we're an off season, a month of training camp, and a month of regular season into this thing. I mean, I'm fully vested as a BC Lion, and the Edmonton Eskimos are fully vested uh, in life with me being gone and the players that they have there now. This is the 2019 season, um, you know, so there's no uh, there's no distractions at this point, um, you know, and, and maybe with playing them in week two, it was a little more fresh. But uh, at this point, um, you know, it, it's it's all about trying to get the win. I don't, I don't care who we're playing against. You can line anybody up there. It doesn't make any difference how I'm going to feel about them. So, you know, I expect it to be a hard fought physical game. I know that Edmonton has a very good team. I know that their defense is playing really well and playing aggressive. Um, you know, but if we come out and match that physicality and we use their aggressiveness against them, um, you know, then, then we'll, uh, we'll be happy with the result. Mike, I always appreciate your time, as I have over the years. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for hopping on Inside Sports tonight. Absolutely, Reed. It's been a while since we've uh, done one of these, but I always appreciate your time, so thank you. Right on. That is the guy who used to be your quarterback. Now he's the BC Lions quarterback, Mike Riley. Tough start for them. We alluded to some of the uh, late-game situations that, for the most part, didn't go the Lions' way, though at the very end in Toronto, it did. During that interview, I got a very simple text to 63630 that simply said, Trevor is a stud. Now, I'm going to assume that was a text meant for the show 
and not one perhaps meant for two people discussing Trevor's prowess, another Trevor. I'm going to assume that's someone referring to, uh, to Trevor Harris, the Eskimos quarterback, who to this point in the season, both individually and his team, has outplayed Mike Riley and his team. We'll see if they can keep it going on Thursday. 6.52, you can always text 6.30, Quick timeout. Your home for all the news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Top of the third, American League, one National League, nothing. Major League Baseball, all-star game. Some sad news from the hockey world today. Former captain of the Nashville Predators, Greg Johnson, also a former Canadian Olympian, has passed away at the age of 48. Originally from Thunder Bay, passed away at his home in Detroit on Monday. No cause of death has been announced. Originally drafted by the Flyers, 33rd overall pick in 1989, was playing in the USHL, debuted in the NHL in 93 for the Wings, then went on to the Blackhawks, Penguins, and then was taken by the Predators in the 1998 expansion draft, played his final Seven seasons there took over from Tom Fitzgerald as captain of the Predators in 2002 as we say farewell to Greg Johnson passing away at the age of 48. Can also tell you, trade in the NHL today. Henry Yokohairu to the Sabres from Buffalo for forward Alex Nylander. And Colorado Avalanche agreed to a two-year extension with coach Jared Bednar, who has guided the team to -to back-to-back playoff appearances. And then, of course, they upset Calgary in the first round. Bednar, the coach of that team, uh, what are we at now, three years ago, when they were one of the worst teams of the last 20 years. Like, they were horrific. Uh, I mean, we've obviously seen some bad teams here in Edmonton year after year. Uh, They were worse than the worst Oilers team that we had during the decade of darkness. But he's turned it around there. Good for him. Okay, we still have a lot to go. We're going to get to King's Court, our weekly feature with Eskimos long snapper Ryan King. We'll talk a little golf. we got a McKenzie Tour stop here in Edmonton on the August long weekend. It's the 1932 by Bateman Open. So the guy behind the title sponsorship, Mike Bateman, is going to drop in. And uh, we'll talk a little hoops. we got a Stingers game coming up on Thursday. we got a three-on-three announcement at the game. Paul Sir, my buddy from Basketball, Alberta, he's going to be on the show as well. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.